this is Sunday 16 Presents. Hello everyone, Billy Sanford here with another episode of Sunday 16 Presents on location. Today I'm back with another installment of my series of chats with members of the photography community about music and photography. Today I'll be chatting with Adrian Stock, who most of you will know a little less formally as Aid. As a host and co-founder of two different podcasts spanning the breadth of photography, past, present, and future, I was only superficially aware of Aid's interest in music. So I was glad to sit down with him and talk about learning to play music, the music he's enjoyed over the years, and the role it has played in his life. But of course, we also talked about photography and how his interest in all of its finer points led to those aforementioned podcasts. We talked about how the personal side of these creative endeavors, as well as the social aspects, and how great it has been to chat with different people over the years from all over the world who are exploring all sorts of various creative techniques. Finally, we talked about the benefits of attending workshops, big and small, some potential side effects, and tips for how to work out of a photographic slump. Let's have a listen. I'm honored to be joined now by Adrian Stock, who's many of you will know as aid and know as the host of sunny 16 podcast and the future of photography and uh for the purposes of this podcast also a guitarist so <laughs> that's thank a you. little bit of an overstatement but thank you <laughs> absolutely but uh thank you for joining me aid how are you doing today i'm doing good thank you very much good to be here thank you for asking me um yeah it's uh we're in that quiet week between christmas and new year at the moment so i'm having the luxury of, of relaxing at home you know not working this week it's nice to to sit down and have a chat absolutely and uh, and i'm grateful that you were making some time i mean that was a consideration uh with it being the holidays i i hated to take anybody's time away from family or or something that they Maybe doing. Oh, you're but you're I... very gracious. You're very gracious. <laughs> Anyone who's listening to this, of course, will be familiar with your podcasting around photography and the vantage point you've been able to have. I mean, you're covering the past, present, and future of photography. <laughs> I'm assuming one day you may be talking about daguerreotypes, and the next day you may be talking about drones. You have a very wide scope on the photography side of things. But outside of maybe playing a little guitar on, on one of the earlier Sunny 16 episodes and then a, a really brilliant double exposure, I thought, that you made when the Sunny 16 hosts were doing their self-portrait assignment. I don't really know as much about your musical side, except that you have one. <laughs> so I was wondering if maybe we could start there and you could tell me your guitar playing. You know, how did you get interested in that and how that progressed? For you sure uh well guitar i picked up when i was maybe 18 years old maybe 17 years old not, not quite sure um and i think mostly it was kicked off the interest was kicked off by my little brother who, who picked he's a couple of years younger than me so he would have been a teenager at the time as well and, and he got into it and I, I was intrigued i thought okay i picked one up and started to play and really enjoyed it uh, and that was it really i mean i've never had a guitar lesson in my life um uh, as you, this possibly won't be a surprise to you i've never been in a band either but as you as you may know from my photography i don't share a lot of my photography so <laughs> a lot of the music is for my own personal enjoyment mm -hmm. um but i have now been playing the guitar on and off mostly off uh, mostly yeah, on and off <laughs> for nigh on 30 years um okay you know it's been great for me i i love it i mean i i got i guess i had that wasn't my first foray into music my first my first memory of music was when i was in what we'd call primary school here in the uk i'm guessing what would that be a second grade maybe i was seven years old maybe and i was i was having my lunch in school in the school canteen and i got told to after my lunch to go and stand by the wall with a small group of other children and that got me a bit worried because that's where the naughty children were set, right so <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, what's going on here and then anyway I, I, as it turned out the teacher came along and said to this small group of us your parents have decided that you're going to learn to play the recorder <laughs> Okay. And at that point, I don't think I even knew what a recorder was. Um, but so I played that for a couple of years, played violin terribly uh, and against my 
wishes uh, for <laughs> for several more years. Played piano, which I loved. For uh, again, all all sort of entry level stuff for a few years. I think if I remember rightly, maybe I passed my grade three piano, but I certainly mm-hmm. um, you know didn't take it very far. But all of that was uh, over by the time I was about thirteen, fourteen years old. So then there was a bit of a gap, uh, and then mm-hmm. you know got interested in the guitar, which which stuck with me really. Um, okay. So, yeah, it, it, and it's been a, a in that sense, I suppose, a lifelong companion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, just since you mentioned it, so that's the thing for us here, or 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 it was at the time that I was growing up. They would teach us the recorder. You know, I guess that's the public education way of trying to expose us to a little bit of culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So in the UK school program, is there something where every child learns something about music growing up? Or C- Certainly music is in the curriculum here for, from the okay. earlier stages. Not so much learning to play a specific musical instrument. That's not part of the standard curriculum. That tends to be you know, your parents decide uh, and you get some extra lessons on the side sort of thing. So in that sense, I, I, it's... I'm very grateful to my parents for for putting me down that route. Um, And it's something Mm -hmm. that I've done with my own children since, which is to make sure that they get an introduction to music in a structured way and learn to play an instrument. And, you know, uh, and, you know, I think music brings such a lot to life. You, know, oh, you could almost say in the sense that study, yeah, studying photography or, or practicing photography helps you to see things in a different way. I think learning to play music helps you to hear things and appreciate things in a much richer way. So, you know, whilst I wouldn't want to be that horrible stage school parent, you know, pushing their children into things they don't want to do, I, I think there is definitely right. a benefit to having music as part of your upbringing. And, and you know, and I'm really glad that my children have, that in their lives the same as I did. I agree. And my college studies were at a liberal arts school and we had so many electives. We could take any kind of class we wanted to, but those were grouped into different categories. And one category we had to either take music appreciation or art appreciation, which I guess along those same lines and to what you were saying, I think, you know, they, I think it's considered part of a well-rounded education if you've had some exposure to, you know, whether it is art or music or something, sort of appreciating those creative outlets that people have uh, explored through life. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that there is... Yeah, the, uh, whilst I I am also a uh, an advocate uh, of you know reading and writing and arithmetic, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the definitely there is there is more to life than that. It's difficult. There's so much to learn, isn't there? And yeah, you know, the kids these days, you know, I say, you know, kids all the time. There, there is so much to learn, and you know, it, you can't possibly cover it all. But you know, right. I think they you know if you can cover things like swimming. Because like mm-hmm. swimming stops you from dying, okay? Right, so that's a really <laughs> important life skill, isn't it? Right? Exactly. And uh, you know, so some, some, so if you have swimming, some academic education, because that's properly necessary as well. You've got to be able to read, write, and count. Yeah, and then, and right. then, you know, but exposure to a whole bunch of stuff that enriches you, um, I think, is it's a tricky thing being a parent, as as <laughs> as many people will know uh, listening to uh, this. Um, uh, but you, you just do your best, don't you? I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I would agree. I would agree. So circling back to the guitar and and you mentioned it's a thing you've done largely for yourself, but you also mentioned you kind of picked it up from your brother. Is that a thing that you, the two of you ever did together, just playing around with music and our guitar specifically? I have done a few times in the past, not for donkey's years, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been times when we've had a, a you know, grabbed a few mates together, you know, rented a practice room for a bit and, and just gone mm-hmm. out to play. Um, the I suspect that a, a more standard thing is, is how, yeah, being that person who lives in the street whose amplifier you can hear from wherever in you, st- <laughs> you stand in the street. That's right. Um, yeah, in fact, yeah, there were, I, I, did have it wasn't even a particularly big amp it was a fender hot rod deluxe um which is a, a valve amp um a si- single speaker i think it was a one by 12 i think and uh, but i don't think 
you could turn it up more than about two and a half out of 10 most of the time before you could hit you before it just became you know super super loud so so sometimes you just have to go get a practice room don't you and you know just just for the opportunity right. to to turn the things all the way up or at least a bit more than two <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that so so i have a nephew who is 12 and that was what he wanted and what he got for christmas was an electric guitar and app and we Nice. Stopped by my mother-in-law's for maybe about an hour on Christmas Day, and and he was downstairs in the basement, but but we got to enjoy some of his musical stylings. <laughs> See, basements are something that most British houses just don't have. It's something that, as a musician, I really envy. Mm-hmm. Like the the standard, it's not really a standard, is it? But you know, you uh, I think a far greater proportion of houses in the US have basements to to here in the UK. And I think, I think we so. often often think of what would happen if I was to dig out a basement underneath my house. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. That's right. It is. It is nice, and that we we have one in my house as well. And that's sort of my. Uh, I'm I'm recording from it now. I, I'm working from home, so that's my workspace. But that's also my little my little play space too. I guess man cave is is the popular term <laughs> one would use. <laughs> So what sort of music do you enjoy listening to just for, you know, for entertainment value? Oh, wow. I mean, I suppose I could <laughs> uh, yeah, call, call, yeah, pick up my phone and look at what I've been listening to on Spotify recently. I mean, I... I I, I like to think I like a broad range of music. I probably have you know, a slightly narrower range of choices than, I, than I'd like to think I would have. But again, a lot of that changes over time, doesn't it? And it's a whole lifetime of stuff. I tell you, I tell you what. Let's let's just just sort of uh, you know, genres chronologically, just to try and make some <laughs> sense of how I answer that question. I can tell okay. you the first the first record I remember getting was by Madness. Okay. And do you know what? I still listen to Madness all these <laughs> decades later. Um, for those that don't know, that Madness were a, a popular London-based ska band from late seventies and through the eighties. Actually, in, in some form or another, they still exist today. Um, mm-hmm. I was too young; I was just a child when they when they were in their heyday. But I have seen them a few times since, and they're just a, just an awesome yeah ska band that play or oh, yeah brilliant stuff. But you know, from from there, I mean, they were talking here in the sort of early eighties, you know, and so there's all the new romantic stuff that came through and then sort of towards the late 80s i started definitely getting into more metally stuff you know okay. we, you know yeah metal and more rock stuff so so things like acdc iron maiden and other stuff like that and then from there well i mean then i guess towards the end of the the 80s into the 90s so by this time I'm, you know, teenager, early twenties, whatever, through that sort of period. There's a whole explosion of stuff around that. All the electronic dance music that came originally out of Chicago, I guess, in the in the later part of the eighties, but then became a big thing in the UK. Still a whole bunch of metal. Then there was all that sort of hip hop metal crossover stuff, which was good fun. There were a load of smaller bands here in the UK that maybe don't have global names that were really good. A uh, load of and, and uh, a lot on the sort of indie band scene as well here in the UK. That, that was the days when I'd be you know going to festivals and actually camping out in a tent and not washing <laughs> for five days at a time, you know, and stuff like that. Um, right. Yeah. But it's just uh, yeah. That, and at that point, live music was a big thing for me. When I was at university, I was on one of the a committee at the student union called the Stage Services Committee, and we used to do. Um, stage crewing for bands as they came through. Uh, mm-hmm. We used to do DJing, you know, of of you know, music nights, club night type things. Um, I wasn't like a, a proper DJ. I was more the sort of put one record on after another. I did, you know, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't the sort of guy that had decks in my room and practiced night after night after night. Um, I had right. friends who did that, but uh, but no, I, um, but that you know, being being backstage and meeting some of the bands and and stuff like that, going to lots and lots of gigs in that time, you know, uh, and just all sorts of stuff, be it hip hop and rap or metal or indie or whatever dance music, whatever it was, even some of the the big named uh, big UK DJs uh, of the day, again early nineties, I suppose, you know, some of them became. Uh, household names in the uk i don't know if the names travel globally but i mean if you think about people like john digweed and paul oakenfold and carl cox and sasha oh, yeah. uh, uh yeah it's good seeing some of those guys 
as it's weird to say live yes they are performing live right it's it's a it's a, an art form in its own right being a dj it um, is uh and some of those things just just blow you away right some of the some of the tunes they can play and stitch together into a set just blow you away so all sorts of stuff absolutely and then, yeah and that's that's just like <laughs> Yeah, that's just 15 years or so from you know, <laughs> 1980 to 1995. What do we talk about the next like, next 25 years? Um, I well, don't know. But... What am I listening to at the moment? Uh, funnily enough, my daughter's really into ABBA, right? So, so okay. we, yeah, we have sing-alongs in the car and it's just the two of us, which is cool. Uh, so there's some bands I still can't shake from way back then. I mean, Madness is one of them. There's a band called Pot Will Eat Itself, which is another one I'd count. Public Enemy. Uh, what else am I listening to? Uh, more recently, still not very recently, uh, but people like Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson has done some crazy stuff. Very talented guy. Um, very. And you know, and, and after you get to the sort of digital age, you know, the 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 iTunes, you know, Spotify kind of age. There's just so much because it's not, which is fantastic, but it's difficult to pin down what I'm listening to because sometimes I'll put on a you know, a playlist if I'm working, I'll put on a playlist of classical music. I'm like, right, I want to listen to Mozart and Beethoven today, right? Because that's what I need to get me in the mood to concentrate, right? And other times I'll be wanting to listen to, you know, um, yeah, trip hop from Bristol, a city in the west of the UK where people like um, Massive Attack and Porter's Head are from. You know, the right. whole Bristol trip hop scene is awesome. Um, uh, you yeah, know, just so, so just a ton of, t- a ton of stuff, really when i reached out to ask you if if you would be so kind as to participate in my chats on music and photography this idea came to me as a result uh, and you were talking about the festivals and the shows earlier so i had participated in this concert photography workshop and which which i'm also mentioning because i want to chat with you about workshops a little bit later but so for me, that was a way of tying music and photography together, literally. And and it was how I, when I got into photography, learned a lot about the exposure triangle, was, was trying to take photos of friends in, in small, dimly lit clubs. But... <laughs> But I may be digressing. So I, no, I no, really no, wanted... no. I do love a small, dimly lit club myself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it, of course, the purpose of that workshop was around the photography part and and i would certainly be remiss if i didn't ask you about photography given you know your podcasting legacy of course but on one of the recent sunny 16s i i think you were doing you know you were going around the table and and everyone was sharing uh, the story of their first camera and i think you talked a little bit about that and how that got you into photography and then you know not just to take snapshots of family memories or or holidays or or things like that but it but it really seemed to spark your imagination this this whole idea of photography and and researching the philosophy and and the gear and 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 everything that photography entails so i wondered if you could maybe sort of like how you did with music can you can you walk us through sort of how your photography journey evolved yeah uh yeah happy to um well i guess you know the 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 point of of where it really clicked and i i got the photography bug was round about uh well no i know precisely when it was it was 2008 uh so so that's that's kind of a, an inflation point and pre- prior to that i'd had a couple of cameras i remember having a little 110 point and shoot when i was a kid uh that was interesting for a while i didn't really know anything about photography at that point I remember then having a early, an early digital camera. Uh, my first digital camera was a, a Fujifilm point and shoot. Did all of about four megapixels, I think, and maybe two of those megapixels were interpolated rather than real. Right, <laughs> uh, that was about two thousand. Um, but but you know most of that it was just sort of capturing stuff snapshots um and then into came along came 2008 and i realized in 2008 there was a a few big things happening um i had several weddings to go to that i knew were coming up uh i had my own wedding uh, as well and although i wasn't taking uh, 
photos at my own wedding um we did have a honeymoon to go on a course and, and we were going to see some interesting stuff so i thought you know what i'm actually going to buy a camera like a proper camera which to me at that point meant uh, an almost entry-level dslr mm-hmm. um and and that was it that was the point of inflection i just got hooked from that point and i just you know whether, whether you want to call it an obsession or not I, yeah. <laughs> potato potato right but yeah right. that's the, that's the point at which i i became yeah pre- pretty interested in it and, and focused on it as a hobby as opposed to just a very casual thing um okay. and and that's when i started to learn to want to learn uh, about photography and and hoover up all sorts of, of information best as i can best as i could and practice new things and try new things and you know it was it was really good fun i had lots and lots of energy for it everything was new you know everything could be tried i mean you know these are the days where you know it's like well i don't know the difference between a jpeg and a raw file so let's try <laughs> shooting both and see what i can learn you know it's like right. um I, you know learning a bit more about the exposure triangle learning about focal lengths learning you know learning about composition of course as well and you know and what might be interesting um uh, and all of that you know then not far after that you know a year or two after that learning about lighting in a more structured way and and stuff like that so you know there was a lot going on there for me uh, and great great fun i mean most of the photos were <laughs> marginal at best <laughs> <laughs> right. but you know you've got to you know you've got to, you've got to take a lot of photos before you start to 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 fit in with it all uh or, or before it starts to click at least for me um especially because one of one of the things that attracted me to it is that i don't have the the training or, or really even the motor skills for drawing or painting i can't right. uh, i can't draw or paint um, uh, and I was advised by my art teacher at school not to pursue art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a time, what age would I have been? 14 years old, maybe, uh, which is a time in the UK where you make some, you first get your, your first choices about, you know, what uh, what subjects you'd like to pursue. Mm-hmm. And and my art teacher had said to me, he said, he said you could take art, Adrian, but... Uh, you would uh, you would probably find it quite hard. <laughs> you might find some <laughs> other subjects slightly easier. <laughs> right, right. So photography for me sits in this marvellous place because I am a bit of a technical geek. I do love my toys. And it allowed me to capture what I could see, but without needing to have the, the motor skills to, to paint it or to draw it. Um, and I'd never right. considered that before. And that was a real surprise to me and a real sort of joyful surprise as well. The fact that I could suddenly, if I could see something, I could capture it. Uh, and and that that was a, a great feeling and, and took me on to, to lots of other things. So that was part of what powered it all. Okay. And and so with, with that new tool in your toolbox, so to speak, to visually create an image or, or, or really do it, you know, because software, I guess, has become a bigger part of photography these days, too. It seems like anything is possible. But with the photography and the music and kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, a well-rounded life or, you know, not to say that people that don't do these things are not well-rounded, but it, <laughs> it feels like it reaches down into some sort of part of our humanity, This this need to sometimes uh, just get something creative out of us uh, maybe i'm not articulating that well but but does that resonate with you at all do you do you feel like you get something out of photography and music that kind of satisfies some sort of deep seated urge yes, to create absolutely i do um out of both um it's it, the, I guess there are differences in between the two for me, though. So in, mm-hmm. in playing the guitar or a little bit of piano that I play sometimes occasionally these days, um, just because I have one, it's probably out of shot. Actually, no, you might be just able to see the corner of the piano in the, in the shot. Okay. Because it happens I think to so. be in the room that I've sat in. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, though Those are about... The music is about learning to play stuff that i've heard and that i'm interested in um mm-hmm. so you know in when it comes to playing a guitar for example i've never been you know a steady rhythm guitarist that can pick out you know can keep a whole 
song running you know uh, and equally i'm not uh, uh, a lead guitarist uh, who you know uh, with, with screaming solos or anything like that but what i tend to focus on is is the is bits of tunes that are very melodic um, mm -hmm. and where maybe the guitar is carrying that tune for, for a bit. But I'd be quite happy, you know, I, I'd be quite happy if I hear something that catches catches my ear and I think I'd love to learn to play that. I'd be happy to learn to play 16 bars or something. And then, yeah, I don't feel the need to, to be able to play the whole song, you know, right. uh, and I don't feel the need most of the time to play it for anybody else either. It's, it, but, but I do find it really, it, it's... It's really good therapy. So in in a hectic world where there's you know, it, it really helps me be chilled and concentrating on one thing, it's a bit of escapism in a way. Right. In a really positive way. Um, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, if you're a bit frazzled, you know, you pick up the guitar and play for an hour. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really good thing. So I don't know whether you'd call that creative or not, because I what I'm really doing is is something else i suppose if i'm learning to play other people's songs i don't know how creative you'd feel that was but the photography though <laughs> is is creative that's about me right. wanting to to create something um and uh you know that is uh it's, there are some similarities i mean very rarely do i you know um produce anything that you would consider a coherent body of work with my photography very <laughs> rarely do i set myself a deadline or a target and set out to finish something um, but I do love little projects. I do love creating a small collection of things. Um, you know, right, even from the very earliest days, um, you know, I had my, you know, what was then my new DSLR, but also I had uh, a phone. And mm -hmm. a very, I remember the, the very, there's, there's photos up on the wall in the house that I shot with my very first iPhone. Um, now, I didn't have the very first one. I think the one I had was the iPhone 3G. So whatever year that came out, it might have been 2009 or something like that. I used to work a lot in London at the time, used to walk around the city, um, used to take photos. And, and you know, in those days, uh, phones weren't great cameras or didn't have great cameras. Um, and so there was a lot of mashing of pixels in little apps and stuff like that. And that was fun, but that was fun, very creative. And I still go back to that. I still go back to, you know, really brutalizing pixels with crazy apps on my phone and seeing you know, what <laughs> I can get out of that. And I do enjoy that. Um, right. But equally I've enjoyed as well over the years, the different film emulsions that you can use in creating looks with film and, you know, and, and the thought process of thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to go and do this, then maybe that film would suit. So you know, make your choices, choose your camera, choose your lens, choose your film and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and you know, at that point, of course, it's, 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 it's creative with forethought, which, you might call more structured, I suppose. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> right. But but definitely the photography is 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 a creative outlet for me. But because I treat it purely as a hobby, um, which is I recognise is is a luxury. Um, yeah, you uh, yeah. I I'm not sure that I'd want to be a professional photographer because I can pick <laughs> it up, I can put it down, I can do half a thing and finish it. I can try something, realise I don't enjoy it, and and change it. Um, you know, a lot of that is is all available to me precisely because it's a hobby rather than right. a profession. So, you know, that I find is very freeing and helps with being creative as well because I'm I'm not beholden to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel exactly the same way. I, I think we're kind of for both of us, these things feel sort of a personal purpose in our lives, but that sort of did make me wonder because as you are well aware the the photography community is a very social place what is the social side of these personal hobbies that you have what what, what do you enjoy about that or or what do you how does that fit into the to the picture yeah. i guess it's it's an interesting one i have to say it's taken me some years to work it out i think i've got a reasonable grip on my my point of view at this point mm -hmm. but for for some years I, uh, I i don't think i did or hadn't managed to sort of draw it all together um i mean there was uh you know i remember joining instagram when it first came out 
and mm-hmm. there was a good communi- community building there. And I even went to a couple of Insta Meets, as they were called in those days, where people would get together locally uh, and actually meet and, and talk to each other. Instagram then followed its path. I don't need to recap the history of Instagram. Uh, it's a totally <laughs> different beast now, and it's one that I haven't participated in for a long, long time for multiple reasons. Um, uh, the so so that so that was a thing for a while there then there was mm-hmm. forums again sort of before uh i suppose before uh, there, there, there was a period in time wasn't there where where the social media platforms were on the rise but they, they were well-known features of the internet landscape but they were they were more sort of building rather than the behemoths they are today and you still had forums because forums of course was the way we used to chat right, right. so uh you know where, whether it was you know, or you usually relatively niche conversations. Actually, the ones that I was involved in, whether it be a, a particular car or, or or something like that, and I ended up in a a niche photography forum called Pixelated Photographer. Um, there was a podcast okay. at the time uh, uh, that was uh, something that I was listening to called called Pixelated Photographer, um, and uh, there was a forum associated with that, and I started. You know, talking to others and and graham was there um and okay. uh we ended up at the time both of us were starting to explore film photography so we, we ended up with this weird situation where on the website called pixelated photography the the most conversation was about analog photography <laughs> um, <laughs> right <laughs> uh, but we got to know a few people um and uh yeah we got to know a few people there and and yeah graham and i realized that um we didn't live too far apart about 60 miles or so um and then one day uh something came up uh there was a, a photography exhibition that, that, and graham and i agreed to to in oxford uh, and we agreed to meet up and go see this um and that was the first time we ever met which was cool and then after that i just thought to myself well, I listened to, by this time I was listening to a few podcasts because podcasts, of course, were a, a well-established thing by, what are we talking here, 2016 maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've been going for, you know, 10 years or so and, you know, pretty big thing. Um, and I said to Graham, why don't we just start a podcast? <laughs> Do you fancy doing a <laughs> podcast? Right? Just like, because we, we're talking all the time online about film photography. Why don't we do a podcast about it? So we're like, okay, well, we'll give it a try. So, um, uh, and that was the start of Sunny 16. Um, <laughs> we didn't know it was called Sunny 16 at that point. We didn't know what was going to happen, uh, but we started it out and it's become the thing that we, we know and love today. Um, right. So that and 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 I didn't know why I was doing that other than to chat uh, about stuff I was interested in, and um, we met a lot of people. Uh, so I suppose I should circle circle back and answer the question, shouldn't I? Really about the social <laughs> aspect of it. And um, part of it, you know, during you know, a couple of times during the the first two or three years or so, uh, I thought about you know how can we create a business around this as well, because that's kind of the way my mm-hmm. brain works as well. I mean, I've done a couple of um three three startups maybe done a couple of sort of you know, growing businesses sponsored by corporates mm-hmm. that sort of thing um and uh you know my brain naturally turns to you know business opportunities associated with activities that i'm doing and right. try to pull some of that stuff together for sunny 16 and um, we had a couple of conversations um uh, by this time you know rachel had joined us so so gay and rachel and i would chat that through and think about what would we like to do um and that never took off never got enough energy and i didn't know why and i was a bit frustrated by it for a while but couldn't figure out why and then and this is the answer to your question <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I promise. There's an answer to the question. Okay. Um, the 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 penny finally dropped for me uh, when I thought about well, what actually do I want out of all of this stuff? And I remember mm-hmm. a couple of three years ago, I, I, I just sitting down and drawing like a mind map of of what I what I thought I'd like to do with you know, podcasting for the coming year. And I don't know why I chose to do that, mm-hmm. possibly because I spent too many years as a consultant and, and consultants <laughs> draw pictures for each other for a living. And right. uh, and I did it and I realised that actually the thing I really enjoyed was meeting people and making friends. And it suddenly clicked, like, well, that's why I don't 
ever get. That's why I've never built a business around this thing. Never had the energy, never really had that drive I've had when I started other businesses. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, flitting about with it, but I don't care how many people listen because it's not about the number of listeners. It's, it's about the relationships that you make for, at least for me, it is. Right. I don't want to have a podcast that is listened to by a million strangers. Right. I, I, I love yeah. the fact that sunny, sunny 16, especially, and I think it's slightly unusual in this respect is it's built a really great community of people. Um, future photography. We ha- we also have uh, a, you know, a community, but it's it's not quite the same. Um, uh, it, it is. It's, it, they're great people, but but it's not quite as as tight knit or uh, tight knit. It's not right because that makes it sound cliquey, and it's not cliquey. It is a welcoming community, but it's not it's not coalesced in in quite the same way. Um, right. I just realised that, uh, that this you know that actually the social side of it for me is the people I get to meet and hang out with and yeah most of the time i have to hang out with them you know down a video line like you and i are doing (laughs) right now because yeah but but that's a good thing right because you and i can talk even though we live thousands of miles apart right we can have a chat exactly sit down and have a chat so i'm not against the internet thing but i also really do love the face-to-face stuff you know and meeting people in real life and and just being able to hang out and because you get you get many more facets of a of a conversation and, and a friendship when you hang out together because you know it's just just even simple things as like like you know just going for a beer right uh, and and right. just hanging out and talking about just nonsense stuff right or or whatever <laughs> that's that's very tangential the stuff that you don't get so much chance to talk about on a podcast because a podcast has a at least if it's even if it's a very poorly planned podcast like many of the Sunday 16 <laughs> podcasts yeah you know, it is ostensibly supposed to be about photography right <laughs> right 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 and and you and 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 i would agree uh just um well, I have a second to jump in. <laughs> this, uh, Sorry, that, that's but no, no, absolutely. Yeah, those are all great points, and and certainly the Sunny Sixteen podcast and the community around that has been, you know, fantastic for me. I, you know, I I got back into analog photography. I I had been on the digital side of the hobby for about a decade, and I'm you know had shot a roll of film or two. Uh, in 2019, but I, you know, I had no plans to make that a thing that I did a lot of. Um, but then the pandemic hit and, um, you know, I, I got just dove head, head first <laughs> into it and learned, you know, it, it gave me a thing to do to take my mind off of all of the world events. Right. So yeah. learning, you know, it was like learning, like we talked about learning exposure all over again. And then, you know, I learned to develop my own film and, and do some darkroom printing along, along the way. And I was spending, you know, all day, every day here in my little man cave basement. But, uh, you know, I, I got to listening to Sunny 16, uh, pretty early in that process. And, and it was the current shows at the time, but then that drove me to go up back to the beginning and, and listen oh, to didn't. all of them. No, I did. No, you didn't. <laughs> I did, but you know, that introduced me to so many people that I have since, you know, like you said, formed these online, uh, relationships with primarily because, because we are so far apart but it's just delightful and and all of these people are so nice and kind and you know a few of them have been gracious enough to to chat with me about this music and photography as well so i i I get it absolutely on on that social aspect of this and and just to sort of tie a bow on that um you know when you were uh, on this most recent sort of year end wrap-up show when you were kind of reflecting on you know, that you've, you've had a, a front row seat to chat with all of these people over the last few years and all of these little um, boutique businesses or, or even growing and thriving businesses uh, to be able to chat with all of these people and kind of cheer them on as, as they built, you know, this industry around analog photography has been, has been great. Yeah, it has, um, you know, uh, it's, it, it's, it's an amazing 
to have uh i guess in, in some ways we were very fortunate with the time we started sunny 16 because although i'm not sure that you know in any one point you could say well this was the bottom of the film photography you know world right and it's it's climbed right. up again uh but there certainly wasn't a lot going on at the time um uh and to be to to have made friends with people who are doing all sorts of interesting things and building that uh, you know analog photography community back up is, is just amazing and yeah like i said on sunny 16 the other day yeah one of my high points this year absolutely walking onto the exhibition show floor at the photography show uh here in 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 england uh, a few months ago and seeing a thing called the analog spotlight which was a, a large a genuinely decent sized section of the exhibition floor and you know knowing a you know a good number of of the stall holders considering many of them personal friends at this point um seeing the way that the other you, you know so, uh others that i don't know quite so well you know had clearly sort of started to to gravitate towards this this analog spotlight concept that that is being built now um and uh you know i i felt just great to to be part of it uh great to be able to to talk about it and promote it i have to say that you know personally i am not part of building analog spotlight as as a as a brand <laughs> or a thing um i'm very right. pleased to have you know to to be able to talk about it because i think it's a fantastic thing but i certainly wouldn't want anybody mistakenly assigning any any uh, attributing any effort or credit to me it is other people <laughs> that are doing it i'm just glad to be able to report about it um Absolutely. it's uh it, it's a fantastic it's a fantastic feeling but but it's and and that that's the physical bit but there's all there's the there's there's a whole spectrum of stuff i mean we could set we could talk about you know geography as i mentioned right the fact that mm -hmm. we we can talk to people in in the usa of course um uh we right. can talk to people in australia we can talk to people in europe we can talk to people in japan you know as, and we've done all of those things um we could talk about a spectrum of work and creativity that that people are involved in um it it would be you know for, from yeah it's, it's, how, how would i best describe this it's so diverse it, it it's it's amazing you know um yeah whether you talk about the diversity of the uh, of the work that's being created you know whether it's you know alternative processes or uh, you know very early stuff like daguerreotypes or, or or plate work or um cyanotypes or stuff like that right the way through to actually hollywood movies um right uh, i just think wow the the spectrum of work that, uh, of that we get to, to to talk about with the people that create it is astonishing um uh you know, what, what, again, we said this on Sunday 16 the other day, one of our favourite conversations this year was with Alex Heron. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. A young young photographer um, who's doing an amazing product, uh, project on autistic people. She, she is autistic herself. Um, and we had a fantastic conversation with her. Um, you know, then we get to, to talk to other people about, you know, deep technology stuff. Um, uh, my uh, friend and colleague on the future of photography, Jeremiah Chechik, you know, who who mm -hmm. likes to explore, you know, art at the the junction of, of digital and analog creativity. Um, you know, mm -hmm. some of the things he does chooses to do are crazy. I mean, he will build three dimensional landscapes in Unreal Engine. Um, and then uh, one of them he did, uh, he did a plaster cast first, but I think his intention, I think he's done it now, is to have it cast in bronze. So he's <laughs> he's building three-dimensional landscapes in software, in, in digital environments, and having them cast as bronze. I mean, you know, where that comes from, I have no idea. How you have an idea <laughs> like that, I have no idea. Um, uh, and it's just, you know, just fantastic use of all the creative tools out there. And we get such a range, a diverse range of, of people to talk to, uh, you know, in terms of where they live, who they are, what their experience is, the creative work that they're doing. It's amazing. And none of that would be possible for me um, unless I suddenly, not suddenly, unless I'd started a couple of podcasts. So, <laughs> you know, on the right. days when I'm I'm knackered and I've been out and I come home and I'm late and thinking, ah, oh, crap we've got a podcast this evening right that's the days when you dig deep because the 
because the the amount of good stuff that comes from what realistically is a fairly small amount of effort um is is amazing and you know i i love it and and yeah back to the social thing again aren't we yeah that that's that's kind of why i love doing podcasting because the people i get to meet and talk to and you know the experiences that can come with that absolutely and that it's you know i i teased a workshop discussion at back yeah. at the beginning and so, and so maybe this is an opportunity to to jump into that question is that where you met chris marquardt on your trip to <laughs> I did, yes yes uh yeah it is so that was uh that was one trip i had done a few i'd done some sort of genuine sort of pay and turn up on the day workshops in, in the past um okay uh, you know on, well, on different bits and bobs i mean nothing you know, particularly noteworthy i remember doing one on flash photography uh, i remember doing another one that was a sort of uh, a street photography workshop hosted by a you know, a professional photographer uh, i even went want to see this was more of a, a big event than it was a, a workshop but um uh, joe mcnally the 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 nat geo photographer who works yes. a lot with nikon yeah. uh, and is famous mm -hmm. for his speed lights use of speed lights i remember once going to see him when he was in london uh it was an enormous event like 500 people had come to see him <laughs> so there were lots of de lots of demos and stuff but i don't know that i'd call it a workshop but i'd done you know quite a few bits in learning and i got you know uh i had sort of two categories of photography photo book as well like one being um photo as art right and and, and bodies of work the photographers have made the other being more educational type stuff so i could teach myself you know what was going on um, right so so i done a few things like that the bhutan thing was interesting though um okay because eventually yeah over time as you do this research and you get into a hobby you end up on mailing lists and you you listen to podcasts <laughs> and you hear adverts for stuff and you know and stuff like that right. don't you and, and i'm sure we all have our own versions of this and I have to say the travel thing, it was like, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to go on a trip one day. But I have like two children under five, you know, <laughs> never going to happen. You know, it's a nice idea. Right. But but um, and then and then one day there was I heard this thing. I guess it must have been on. Uh, Chris has a, a major long running podcast called Tips from the Top Floor, um, as many listeners will know. Um, and I been on and off i listened to that for some years and i heard chris mention this trip to bhutan he was doing a lot of travel stuff at the time okay. um, i thought okay right, fair enough anyway um yeah it was just another advert but I, then it kept popping back in my head i couldn't get it out of my head it's like bhutan i i don't know much about it i've heard i've heard that that's the happiness place isn't it where they 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 <laughs> they try and live differently and i'm like okay so I, and i just couldn't get it out of my head and this was fun enough it was it was in the depths of winter like we are right now right and um i must have had this going around in my head for a couple of months and i mentioned it to my wife and i i literally mentioned it just to get it out of my head you know like it's here's the music thing. you know when you've got a song in your head right and you either need to go and listen to it or play it on a musical instrument it's just <laughs> right acknowledge the existence of the fact that this thing is right in your head and you need to yeah at some point you'd like it to leave but you know you need to play it or listen to it or whatever it was like that it was like the song that gets stuck in your head so i, I mentioned it to my wife just to get it out of my head um and she said well have you thought about going <laughs> i said no <laughs> <laughs> why would i think about leaving my young family you know you to look after our young family for for you know three weeks and travel to the other side of the world just for me why on earth would i think about doing that generally it it never crossed my mind that i might actually do it and she said well why why don't you think about it if it's that stuck in your brain why don't you think about it I was like, oh, blah, blah. anyway uh she then convinced me to talk to chris she said well why don't you contact them this bloke you know and and speak to him and i was like can you do that can you can you call podcasters and <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing is it <laughs> <laughs> uh 
um anyway long story short yeah i eventually i booked onto this trip to bhutan and i booked onto it i think it was nearly two years before it was supposed to to happen so there was a big long elapsed time before it happened and then towards the back end of 2017 november 2017 we went on this trip and it was amazing um there was about 15 of us in total um including it was a couple of chris and another photographer who were leading it um and then yeah uh, and all the people that were were traveling uh for it um then of course we had you know local people helping us out tour guides and what have you um and it was just an amazing experience um it really was uh yeah and full of stuff that i'd never done before and it's like i'm going to Kathmandu, but that's just mm. like the, that's the layover <laughs> stop right it's like no right do is a dream dist- destination in its own right right it's you know, um it yeah, but but in this case, on the way in, at least it was just a you know, a place to stop over. Um, and I was like, okay, right. so I'm going to do that. I'm going to meet up with these guys in Kathmandu. Then we're all going to fly into Bhutan together. So okay, right. Um, uh, but okay, we can do all of that. That's no problem. Um, but it, even that was new. Even the travelling concept, you know, going somewhere that like that, I'd never been to the Himalayas before, anything, any places like that. So that was amazing. Mm. Um, uh, and then we had this fantastic tour for two weeks. So I think I was away for nearly three weeks in the end um, and met loads of great people. Um, right. Again, from very, you know, from, uh, from North America and from Europe uh, and places. I think most, most everybody on that trip was either from Europe or from North America. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, we had an amazing time, saw things I'd never dreamed of seeing Um <laughs> fantastic stuff and at some point in in that trip got chatting with chris about podcasting um and uh we we were also there, there was a um we were also playing and this this probably time boxes the trip a little bit several people had iphones and were taking um live photos you know the the, the live photos on an oh, iphone yes. which is the i think it takes three seconds worth of photos you know 25 frames or whatever over three seconds and it sort of animates them um and people realize there's a lot of um there's a lot of prayer flags in bhutan mm-hmm. um the uh a lot of a lot of buddhist prayer t- uh, prayer flags um and uh they flutter nicely in the breeze when you're at four thousand meters um <laughs> uh or even at two thousand. i mean th- this was the weirdest thing right, right. You, here in the uk if you go on a skiing holiday right and you go to the european alps and you go up to two thousand meters which is what six thousand feet and some seven thousand right. feet right um you think that's high <laughs> <laughs> In the, in, right. And Bhutan isn't even really in the center of the Himalayas. It's sort of to the eastern end of the the mountain range. But you know, when when your your low level stuff is at two thousand meters, so like say three thousand feet, is the lowest you ever go. Right? And the highest right. we went, I think one morning we went up to just over four thousand meters, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to be what thirteen thousand feet, I guess. Um, uh and so yeah we had to acclimatize i mean we, you know, there was yeah you know, we couldn't go for long walks you know the first couple of days when we went for long walks um yeah you know, we were all absolutely exhausted because you know we had to acclimatize to the the thinner air um uh i feel where am i going i'm just rambling now so anyway at some <laughs> point we ended up talking about f- f- podcasts and we were right. taking these uh lots of uh, these um animated live photos with phones uh mm-hmm. of prayer flags and things like that um and that got us talking uh, you know in the evenings so for dinner about you know technology and suddenly uh we, were t- we ended up one evening me and chris and a couple of others i think in uh in a conversation about you know the future of photography technology and it you know uh and what some of the some of the exciting things that might come down the pipeline and then chris said well that sounds like a podcast to me i was like okay and uh, part of me was thinking wow there's this guy who's like you know one of the earliest photography podcasters there was Mm -hmm. from before even itunes could do podcasts you know and stuff like that yeah it's uh saying he wants to do a podcast with me i'm like oh cool excellent and now of course it seems (laughs) yeah i I feel a bit silly because i you know i was almost a little bit starstruck at the time and then and then (laughs) we're just good mates and we chat all the time and and stuff like that and right it's a bit bit of a different way of doing a bit of a different relationships now but yeah, we got we got do, doing that. Future photography was started in a cafe in Kathmandu. 
um in a in a cafe that one of chris's friends owns uh which had a little courtyard that was a bit away from the streets and we just recorded a few yeah a few uh, episodes on a on a phone Mm -hmm. just to get it kicked off uh but even that was four years ago now so yeah that's been running oh wow for for a long time we've just gone through 200 episodes of that so Well, that's that is a great or, origin story, and and you actually, in talking through that, uh, answered a, a few questions I was going to ask about it. Um, you know, about learning new things and and meeting people, you know, and making friendships. Uh, sort of speaking to that social aspect that we talked about a little bit earlier. But the other thing, and and, and one of the reasons for bringing this up. Um, you know, Hillary Clark is is one of those very kind people I have met through the Sunny 16 community. And she is also one uh, that I talked to as part of the series. And, and she and I had talked a little bit about workshops. And Hillary likes taking workshops uh, for one of the purposes you mentioned, just to learn a new thing. You know, it's not a big uh, trip to an exotic locale, but maybe she'll take, you know, a wet plate. Uh, workshop or cyanotype, which she's actually teaching a couple now for Rachel uh, since she's on maternity leave. And then, you know, an experience like you had, you know, or other people may do safaris or they may go to Iceland yeah. to see the Northern Lights or, or that sort of thing. Or the concert photography workshop that I did was, you know, there was an educational element to it where, you know, before the actual show, he's talking about, you know, okay, here's things to consider. It's going to be dark in there. You need to think about your aperture and and your ISO, but you also, you know, you want to when to consider your shutter speed or not, because you may want to show some movement, you know, to show the energy of the show, or you may not want to show it, in which case you'll need a, a faster shutter speed or that sort of thing. So there was an educational element to it but the other part uh, you know for me was access because you know everyone at a concert will have a phone and be taking pictures but they don't normally allow you to go in there with the dslr and and fancy lenses and all that sort of stuff so the access was a big part of the workshop um experience for me and so all, all of those things you said is true you learn things you meet new people you take you know, these, these amazing images that you might not otherwise have the chance to take. And so there were two sides to that, that I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, on the one hand, you know, getting that new experience and seeing things from a fresh perspective could invigorate your work, but, but it also seems like there's a, a potential danger that, you know, when you get back home and, and start looking at your ordinary subject matter, that it, it, it may know, you know, it may not any longer inspire you. <laughs> so, Cameron, what are your thoughts on that and, and what's been your experience with that? So, <laughs> there's a leading question if ever I heard one. But <laughs> um, so, I, let's, let's do the education thing first, right? I think okay. education in all its forms is brilliant. Um, uh, I read a lot. I watch a lot of YouTube. And that is great for helping you to understand something about technique and how to approach it um uh you know you do of course then need to go practice it right yeah uh, so but, right. but that's but it but it, at that level you know through podcasts through youtube through the internet yeah education is more widely available um and you know more affordably available to more people than ever before which i think is a fantastic thing um my own photography learning would have been uh far harder and very different if all of those things hadn't existed um so so right. you know that's that's fantastic a workshop though for me adds something much much extra much extra a lot yeah a lot of extra <laughs> value uh, and opportunity right um you know the chance to go and practice with people that actually know you know know what they're doing uh, and can help mm-hmm. you out and give you pointers that that's an amazing thing um yeah very powerful thing uh it's a chance a chance as you say for access uh in 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 ways that perhaps you wouldn't have had any other way right so could, right. could i have personally put together 
uh, a trip to Bhutan. No, I couldn't. It takes <laughs> it, it takes expertise and experience and organisation to do that. Could, could you have gotten into the the pit for the photography pit at a concert? Possibly not, or at least it would have been harder right. for you to achieve, maybe. So I think exactly. that access to learning, I think, is is really really important. Um, the, the leading bit of the question, I think, is is <laughs> what happens when you come back? Um, and right. anybody that pays attention to my ramblings on Sunday 16 will have heard me say <laughs> over the last few years that actually coming back from that trip to Bhutan uh, at the end of 2017, in 2018, I found photography really hard. Um, right. I didn't really think there was a lot worthwhile of me pointing my camera at. Um, uh, and I struggled to get through that. Um uh it, it, i yeah i i genuinely did going going on a trip you know um i don't know whether i'd call it life changing uh, as a trip mm -hmm. i don't know whether i'd even call it once in a lifetime because i'd love to do more of that sort of thing um mm -hmm. uh, but it's it certainly was a big event right that trip to bhutan and i saw things you know and experienced things that i i would you know ne never had before um so when I came home and I had a bunch of photographs from that, uh, which I really liked, and then I thought, look, started looking around me thinking, well, what shall I take photographs of today? Uh, very little of what I saw was inspiring to me. Um, and so I did I did then struggle. Um, you know, uh, and there have been things that were perhaps regular outlets for me, uh, you know, in, in terms of photography, things like, for, for, you know taking street photography on a commute around london for example is which mm -hmm. is a big thing for me on and off over the years um uh you know just weren't doing it for me or weren't available in the same way i forget where i was working in 2018 i don't know i can just about remember where i was working in 2018 i was commuting by car um not by not not you know into london and so you know that thing about well where am i working uh, so yeah, where I can take photographs on my commute. I couldn't because I wasn't doing that kind of commute anymore. I was sitting in a car in traffic, you know. Right. Um, so there is a, there is perhaps a risk, or if maybe not a risk, but maybe a, a learning point, which is what do you do after you've had such a great experience like that? How do you take it forward? Uh, for me, uh, I I think how, having been through that now and taking way too long about. It, um, I think, you j yeah, just trying new things, just continuing to try new things. And sometimes those things are going to be you know, amazing and massive and, and what have you. And other times it's going to be just a simple thing like, well, um, maybe I'll try a different film. I'll shoot black and white instead of color. Or maybe I'll buy a new camera or a new lens to give it you know, a different thing just to shake it up a bit. Or maybe I'll go on another workshop or maybe I'll start a project. I, don't, I, I have very little personal discipline self-discipline <laughs> so uh so so for me saying i'm going to do a project is like it's great an idea but very rarely does it actually happen <laughs> um, but you know i do do things occasionally um i wanted to do you know like things like you know when i wanted to uh back in the beginning uh, well, i suppose it would have been about mid 2020 we, we'd been in lockdown a little while um uh i decided i would make some exercise books for my kids for their schoolwork so i went <laughs> on to blurb and uh right. you because you can print you can print notebooks on blurb with photos in them so i made them these maths books with squared paper and i just put photos in on every like other page or every third page or something like that so that occasionally when they were doing their work from home they like, were doing their schoolwork from home they turn the page and they'd see a nice photograph <laughs> right <laughs> of happier times before the lockdowns <laughs> Um, exactly. So I do, do, yeah. Some of these things come to fruition occasionally. Um, uh, That's right. But uh, I think it's important just to, you know, for me, it, I think I just needed to realise that there's loads of other stuff out there, and just because I had one really great experience didn't mean the whole thing was dead to me. So, right. I think and maybe, you, and yeah. you did get the future of photography out of that, right? And oh that yeah, probably which... helped reinvigorate you. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So again, yeah, di different things going on there, isn't there? So yeah, we started the future of photography, which was great. I have to say, I probably spent more time talking about photography than doing photography in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> what with having yeah, two, yeah, two, two podcasts every week to go out at that point, a very little photo taking going on. Um, but yeah, I, man I'm, I managed to, yeah, to, uh, I, I got out of the slump, uh, but uh, mm -hmm. I think, 
the maybe the the lesson that I've learned is that you know a, a slump is a, it's okay to have a slump, but probably it's 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 your own responsibility to get yourself out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe I was maybe I took a little bit too long learning that lesson myself, but now I've now I've learned it. I'll be okay, hopefully. <laughs> that's right. Well, Ada, I do appreciate it. That's that's been brilliant, and and I very much appreciate you sharing all of your insights and and experiences, especially you know as it relates to these musical topics and photography topics. Um, I mean, we've talked, uh, you know, a fair bit about Sunny Sixteen podcast and future of photography. Is that where you would like to direct people to to um, hear more of your observations on on these things, or, or are there any other <laughs> yeah, links you absolutely. want me to to send them to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, uh, that would be great. So, so Sunny Sixteen Podcast dot com. Um, and there mm -hmm. people can find Sunny 16 and of course Sunny 16 presents which is is the secondary channel where we have lots of great guests on uh, and then future photography is just the future of photography.com um, uh, but both of those podcasts or all of them you can get um, just in whatever pod catching app or, or device that you you choose to use um, just just search for them and, and you'll find them it's uh, the power of modern technology is an amazing thing it really is it really is well thank you so much again aid I, I really do appreciate it well thank you it's been a joy actually to to talk to you um uh rarely do i get to to make a podcast all about me well probably that happens more often than <laughs> i would like to admit um uh, but it's great to be a guest uh on a podcast so thank you for inviting me <laughs> A huge thanks again to Aid for agreeing to sit down and chat with me about music and photography. As someone who enjoys both analog and digital photography and who also is wired to lean a little towards the analytical, I really appreciate him sharing his perspective as someone who's chatted with so many people in the community over the last four or five years. I live in a rural area and we had had storms before the chat and my internet was being a little dodgy. So he even recorded our conversation from his side so that I could have a backup copy. Just really, really grateful for the time and the conversation. I hope you are enjoying these conversations as different members of the community about music and photography and, and how those things might intersect for them. I do have a few more coming up that I'm really looking forward to sharing with everyone. The background music you are hearing comes from Mike Gutterman at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. Thanks again, Mike, for making your music available uh, for podcasters and YouTube creators and the community at large. As Aid mentioned, you can hear more from him and his co-host on both the Sunny 16 podcast and the Future of Photography podcast. And as with these chats, if you have an idea for something you'd like to record, you can get in touch with the Sunny16 team at sunny16percents at gmail.com. You don't have to have background music or interview anyone or worry about a dodgy internet. Uh, just, you know, send in a field report from your phone and, and talk us all through your first experience shooting pinhole or make an audio diary of your Polaroid week adventures love to hear what you've been up to uh, thank you all again for listening and i'll be back again soon with another conversation be well <laughs>